the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We look for joy in all the wrong places. We can't look within. Oh, we can't look at what we have. We can't look at when we are going to get to go on our next vacation. We have to look to Jesus Christ. notice how many times we look to anything and everything but Jesus for peace, happiness, joy. Yet it is only in Jesus that all those things can be found. Welcome to Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. Saved by Jesus and so much more. It's the title of our message today as we turn our attention to Romans 5 verses 1 through 11. Catch up with us there as we continue our journey through this amazing book. Here's Pastor Gary Wagner and today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. The Lord Jesus Christ is our anchor. He is our advocate within the veil. He rules over us. He defends us. He provides for us as we seek his kingdom. And we could go on and on talking about everything he does for us. But let's make it more personal. Everyone in here who is self-honest and stands at the head of the list recognizing that I am weak, saying I'm sinful. So much corruption still remains within me. And if the Lord withdrew his hand from me for even a moment, I feel like I would be overthrown immediately. I need the Lord Jesus Christ to save me, not just once, But, beloved, we need it for the rest of our life, every single moment. Beloved, the godliest people, far far more godly than you and me, have always confessed, Daniel, we have sinned. Job, I'm an unclean thing. The godliest have ever confessed their sinfulness. David, Lord, you are my strength and my shield, my rock, my fortress. I have no strength, Lord, unless you are pleased to give it to me. Beloved, if the godliest have confessed this, what about us? We need for the Lord to uphold us every single moment. We need for him to forgive our sins and protect us from ungodly men. And you know, he tells us not to be afraid. But we are. He tells us not to worry, but we do. He tells us to forsake the world, but like Paul, Romans 7 23, we find another law in our members dragging, dragging us back to the corruption from which we have been already delivered. So let's face something very honest about ourselves. We are pathetic friends of God. Don't worry. Our Lord Jesus Christ lives to save us. 
turn with me to Romans 8.34. Our Lord Jesus Christ lives to save people who are as weak and as helpless and as pathetic as we are. Romans 8.34. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. The one who is at the right hand of God is praying for us. Turn to Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25. In fact, I'll begin reading in verse 24. But this man, Christ, because he continues ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. Wherefore, he is able to save them to the othermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Our Lord Jesus Christ is praying for us, brothers and sisters. He even gives us the Holy Spirit from his fullness. And it says in Romans 8, verses 26 and 27, the Holy Spirit is praying for us. So we've got Christ praying from the right hand of the Father, and the Holy Spirit praying in us as we pray, bearing witness with our spirits that we are God's children, drawing us to Jesus when we feel weak, encouraging us, giving us gifts and grace. If you have been reconciled to God by Jesus' blood, we have been made God's friends then the risen Christ now reigns and lives to save us and to secure us. Think how much we need this. We don't have an earthly protector in this world. And if you think your guns can protect you from the devil, you are delusional. If you think your guns can stop sin from entering into your house, you've been smoking something you should not. We don't have a protector from our worst enemy, but one, the Lamb of God, who has his foot on the neck of Satan and has already crushed his skull. He is our only protector. And he also, at times, unexpectedly sends us help from strange quarters. So when we are discouraged, Jesus consoles us. When we are weighed down by sin, he brings the cross to our mind and our consciences are washed afresh. So that we can serve God without guilt and feel hope and forgiveness in our hearts. When we feel estranged from God, oh, I can't pray. He turns the throne of God from a fearful place of terror to a throne of grace for us. Because he has entered into heaven. When we were hungry, he feeds us. When we are sick, he heals us. When we despair, He gives us glimmers of the glory to come. And when we are dying, he holds our hand and brings us into the waiting arms of our God and Father. Beloved, it is better to forget to breathe than to forget that the Lord Jesus Christ saves us by his blood. And you know, the more you feel your need of this, and and this is why so much of today's preaching doesn't cut mustard anymore. And please understand, I'm certainly not saying mine does. But it doesn't bring us enough to feel our weakness. It doesn't point out enough of our true condition. You know, just live in a dream world. And here are three things that will fix your life. 
Five things to feel better about God instead of making us, as does the preaching of Jesus Christ, to feel our weakness so that we will flee to him. Christians need to flee to Christ. It is not just unbelievers. If you have been a Christian for 30 years, it is only because Jesus has been saving you to the uttermost. And it's not because you are intelligent or believe the right things. We are able to persevere because the Son of God has not forgotten us. Now, even though he pledges to do all these things for us, and in fact does them for us every moment, we do forget him, don't we? Here is the glorious truth, though. Even when we forget the Lord Jesus Christ, he doesn't forget us. He can't. Really? Why? Isaiah 49, 16 says, we are engraved on his hands. He can more easily forget himself than he can forget us. Because our mighty, resurrected Redeemer lives to save us by his life. He said in John 10.10, I have come that you might have life. And you might have it more abundantly. But I, my phone, my television program, my movie, my friends, my clothes, my family, my job. We would know more of this abundant life if we would diligently seek the Lord and turn those things off. If we would call on him. If we would abide in his word and keep these things before our heart and our mind and our will and our emotions. So beloved, seek the Lord. Did Jesus Christ ever turn one person away who sought him? He didn't turn Judas away until the very end, and that was because Judas turned himself away. Did he refuse to heal even his enemies? No, he healed them. Many of the ones who he healed undoubtedly stood in the court of the high priest and of Pilate and shouted for his death. Well, we are not his enemies, verse 10, back to Romans 5. We are his reconciled friends. He shed his blood for us. He will never fail to save us. So where do you need to have him save you today? Is it your marriage? Call upon him. You say, but pastor, you don't know my marriage. I don't have to. Jesus does. And how dare we think Jesus Christ cannot heal my marriage or heal my children or heal my problem with my boss, or deliver me from lust, or pride, or anger? How dare we think our sins, our problems, our issues, are bigger than the power of the Christ who saves? No wonder he allows us to languish in these things. Remember, he didn't do many works in Nazareth. Remember, because of their unbelief. Oh, get on your face, ask him, Lord Jesus, come to my house and save me. And you keep asking him, and you keep seeking him. Jesus Christ, beloved, is our life, and he saves us by his life and in his power and his faithfulness. And that leads us to the last point today, verse 11. 
And not only so, but we also joy in God. What are we supposed to do with all of this? Well, I don't want to be too simplistic. But rejoice. Rejoice. And notice this. Rejoice in God. You know, you can't aim directly at joy. That's why I'm a a little skeptical of three steps to joy, a sermon like that, because just something, it isn't something you can just aim at. It's not primarily an emotional feeling when everything is going just right. At one level, joy when we find God, when, at one level, joy is when we find God as our life. Psalm 1611, in His presence is fullness of joy. It's not in our cars, it's not in our jobs, it's not in our spouses, it's not in sex, not in a big bank account, not even in sports. It's, it's in God's presence That is the fullness of joy. Why? Because of our confession. He has all life, glory, goodness, and blessedness in himself. So if we would be joyful, but this is not so much to be joyful or to have joy. This is a rejoicing. This is a boasting. So this takes us away from our own circumstances, and it means every one of us here today is supposed to be boasting in what God has done for us in Jesus Christ, no matter those circumstances. This is a boasting, a rejoicing that is way beyond our personal circumstances, whatever those may be. This is a boasting that is solid, as solid as the atonement which is the same word in verse 11, reconciliation. It is as as solid as that reconciliation that Jesus has accomplished for us. Now rejoicing is not a passive waiting that everything will turn out like we want. It is an active, now listen, praising and worshiping God for his love and his goodness. I want you to look at your life. Look at your marriage, your job, and ask yourself, do I, and be honest, do I actively rejoice and praise God for his love and his goodness to me in Jesus? Do you? What about the church? I mean, we ought to come in here and lift up the rafters with songs of praise. If we are thinking during the week of what God has done for me, what Christ continues to do for me to save me by his life, then I will boast in God. It'll be, I just want to rejoice in his love, in his faithfulness and in his mercy. Not one of us do, at least as we should, this. Every one of us needs to make the attempt to think more, to meditate more, to be humbled more, to pray more, to love more this God who has done so much for us. And then, of course, we will boast in him. Notice it is boasting in him. It is in him. It's not in me. Oh, I feel good. I'm, I'm happy. I'm joyous. No. And it's not in our music. 
It's not though these things. It is in God because I was his enemy. But now he has made me his friend through Jesus. Oh, my dear friends, that is so wonderful. I was a sinner, but he loves me. And he sent his son to die for the remission of my sins. I am reconciled. I am justified. Look at what God has done. The holy God, the merciful God. Beloved, we boast in God when we delight in his love, when we hope in our Savior's cross, and when serving him is a pleasure. It should never be a burden. Now, granted, we can't get there overnight, but we can make steps toward it. As we come to passages like this, think about what God has done for you. Now, our next thought is going to be, well, how do I feel about that? I don't really think about that because it doesn't matter so much how I feel about it. When I was in college, I took a critical literature class and we weren't taught how to think objectively about what we read. But how did you feel about it? It was all reader's response theory. How does this make you feel? How does the author relate to you as if, the, as if the author cares how it relates to you. He wrote that as he did because it relates to him. And it was an objective reality for him. So instead, think about God and what he has done and meditate upon him. That is why oftentimes we fail to rejoice in God and can only sing oh, amazing grace. You know, we sound like a bunch of cows out on the farm. Not everyone. And I'm not really talking as much about the sound as the attitude. Okay, I guess it's time to sing. And I look out over all of you when we sing our hymns. And some of you are barely moving your lips. And some of you young people aren't singing at all. We look for joy in all the wrong places. We can't look within. We can't look at what we have. We can't look at when we are going to get to go on our next vacation. We have to look to Jesus Christ and what our Heavenly Father has done for us through Him. Look at Him pouring out His soul for you on Calvary, loving His own to the end rejoicing in his agonies so that he can obey his father and save his sheep. This alone is the rock of our boasting. Listen, boasting in God is not a fleeting feeling. It is as solid as verse 9, justified in his blood, and verse 10, reconciled to his son, boasting in God. It is built upon what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. We are reconciled in him, the rock of ages, who is cleft for us. So our God draws us to himself with cords of love. And the more we worship him for his goodness, not worshiping our feelings about him, but worshiping him. How do you worship God? Well, I just come in here and, Wait until you tell me what to do, and I do it. 
This isn't a puppet show. This is not how we worship God. We've got to be thinking about His goodness and His power while we're here. You've got to be on your face praising Him with an open Bible, thinking of what He has done for you in, his, in the life of Christ. And then we worship Him. Then we boast in Him. Then we don't just come to church and sit here and say, Well, I wasn't moved again. It's time to find some place where I can be moved. Good. Go join the other 90% according to Christianity today that are just continually on the church migratory spiral, finding the next show, the next meaningful experience of God. Just say, stay children forever until this culture washes us away and swamps us. Do you want to do that? Or do you want to worship God and boast in Him for what He has done That is the objective. My feelings are not. That is lasting. My feelings change every day. But what he does is constant. So I worship him in my own life and with my family as I praise him. And I thank him for what he has done for me and for us. As I meditate upon his goodness. That I, an enemy, should be reconciled that I, a sinner, should be forgiven, that he would crucify his only begotten son rather than have me perish in hell forever, which is, of course, what I deserve. Oh, beloved, these things should occupy our thoughts. And then joy, of course, wouldn't be a fleeting feeling. We feel it more and more in our circumstances because it is the river that flows from the throne of God. This is living water that Jesus talked to the Samaritan woman about. Lord, you're telling me if I come and drink of your water, I'll never thirst again? Are you better than our father Jacob? Jesus said, if you drink this water of anything the world offers and go and you are going to thirst again. Cars, women, drugs, everything you like, just like you like it. You're just going to thirst again because you weren't made to be satisfied with any of that. But if you drink of the water I give you, if you drink of my life and what I'm doing for you, what I'm about to do for you on the cross, you'll never be thirsty again. You'll be satisfied. I've got Christ. It is enough for me. My God has reconciled me. I am forgiven. Joy is our Savior's living water. His be of good cheer. His presence with us. Jesus is saving you, beloved. Some of you may be going through some very difficult times right now. What is the single best thing you can do? Look for a counselor? No. Change your circumstances? No. The single most important thing you can do is go to the rock, Jesus Christ, who is doing what? Praying for you. Exerting his power for you. Saving you. He has all wisdom. He has all compassion. He has all discretion. He has all tenderness. He has all strength. Oh, go to him. Cast your cares upon him. Say, Lord, I'm already justified by your blood. You've saved me from wrath. 
You've reconciled me. Now save me by your life. I need you. And he will. Amen. And that'll bring us to the end of our time today here on Abounding Grace with our teacher and pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. Thank you for joining us today. It's our hope and prayer that we've been able to encourage you in Christ and stimulate your walk in him. To address questions, comments, prayer requests, or concerns, please call or write to us. We'd love to talk with you. 408-866-5607 is our phone number, 408 408- Eight six six five six zero seven. You're also welcome to visit our website. Drop us an email when you do. Reformedheritage.org. Real simple. Reformedheritage.org. A lot of information there about who we are. We would invite you again to stop by. Reformedheritage.org. Or if you're writing to us, the address is PMB Post Mailbox four zero two, and the address is fourteen eighty four Pollard Road. Los Gatos, California, 95032. That address can be found on our website, reformedheritage.org, or again, simply call 408-866-5607. Copies of today's program are just $5. Mention today's date, and we'll get a CD out to you. And please remember that we are listener-supported which means when you link arms with us financially, we're able to continue the ministry here on this station. It's a great way to study God's Word together, isn't it? And we'd love to continue to do so. Would you prayerfully consider how God might be leading you to partner with us? We'd love to hear from you. Again, won't you call 408-866-5607 or reformedheritage.org. Sunday services, by the way, if you'd like to join us, are 2 in the afternoon. We're located at Lone Hill Church, 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org. Again, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. Further information can be found again at reformedheritage.org or by calling 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, God bless. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.